0: Hey folks, thanks for joining me for this episode from Embellish Pod. If you got here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. Hopefully I can be found on any podcasting platform that exists. If you can't find me on a platform, send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com and I'll get that taken care of. You can also find video versions of this podcast on YouTube. You can find all of my links on Instagram at embellishpod or TikTok with the same handle. I have a website. It is www.embellishpod.com. It's also a place to pick up these links, episode details, and more. Today we have David Mark Young joining us from Golden Sheaf, which is a pre-prohibition brand that has been revived in the last handful of years, and and we talk for an hour and we don't get through all of the talking points, so I think you can probably uh, guess that we're going to see David again. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. This afternoon or evening or morning or whenever you happen to be consuming this, um, I have David Mark Young of golden chief whiskey company joining me he's the owner master blender and i have kind of my first question is is not directly related to um the distillery operation the blending operation but um and i asked something very very similar of this uh when i had an opportunity a little bit over a year ago to sit down with dixon and i said why can't you two you know do two very great product storytellers um Leave something for the rest of us trolls that sit in our rooms and stare at a wall. Um, you know, like you guys had to get into podcasting too to make the rest of us look bad. I mean, a fantastic <laughs> podcast, uh, great environment. Can you leave something for the rest of us? <laughs> is that a question? <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe it's more of a maybe right. it's more of a statement. But um, I appreciate it. It, it is. really is. It's very kind.
1: That, uh, um. Yeah, he just made my day, John. I appreciate that.
0: the The podcast that the two, the two of you guys do, uh, I've enjoyed since its inception. And I had asked um, Dixon to join me before you guys got into that, and then he happened okay. to join right after you started. And I was like, "Awesome!" There's <laughs> these great storytellers that are hopping out here and telling these product stories um, that the rest of us are trying to get into, um, but. It it's it's a fantastic production value. There's a lot of really solid information and a lot of my research comes out of that. So absolutely. Awesome. I'm stealing stuff from you guys, but, sure. um, maybe the, the, the first thing here we can hit on, you have a really varied past. Um, how do you end up in Omaha specifically?
1: Omaha. So I was a military brat. Um, my father was active duty air force. So i was born on an air force base in illinois and um he he served 30 years in the air force i also joined the military after i graduated high school and i did a six-year tour in the marine corps Um, when it came time to um discharge you know i had to figure out where i I didn't really have a hometown and Mm -hmm. at the time uh, my parents, my folks had had recently uh transferred from Europe. My father was stationed in Germany, um, had moved to Offutt Air Force Base in Bellevue, Nebraska. So I decided to go back to Illinois, was fortunate enough to qualify for the Veterans Fund scholarship. So I went to Southern Illinois University, uh, finished college, graduated, and then again reevaluated where am I gonna settle down? You know, I I had a lot of options. Um I was in the IT field or IT security and chose to go. I took a actually a lower paying job uh, to be closer to family. Um, And that's, that's ultimately what, what brought me here originally. Having moved around as a kid a lot, I started to get a little stir crazy about year three, year four. And um, but dug in even deeper. Um, it's, It's been a great place to raise children my, my children are adults now. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's how I landed here. I've been here ever since.
0: You know, and, and the world is absolutely flat at this point. And, uh, I did come across, uh, your, your, uh, educational background at SIU, which was where I had planned to go to college uh, starting in 98. And so we were like this close to overlapping. Right. I ended up not there. Um, but you, you, have been through a lot of different career transformations, and the most recent one being um, this idea of of being a whiskey brand, whiskey distillery, whiskey whatever owner. Um, yeah, how how do you get to that point? Like through all of the things that you've done, how you're like whiskey's it now,
1: right? Um, I just ch- luck, fate, chance. Um, I think I'm very fortunate be able to do what I do because, um, I've had a lot of hobbies in my lifetime, you know, hunting, shooting, you know, different, uh, elements there, um, outdoors, hiking, um, archery, uh, collecting various things, um, you know, various sports. I've, I've been, a um, uh, I was not, not competitive, but I ran marathons for years and years and years, you know, I did 30 some marathons and, um, and when I get into something, I get into something, and so whiskey kind of became a hobby about um, while I was in college. I actually, I think maybe a little bit while I was in the Marine Corps, a little different kind of consumption at that, that, <laughs> that yeah. st- stage. Um, but then, uh, you know, I start to settle down, got a family, a big boy job, and you know, can afford, um a little some of the finer things and and you know there's this allure this whiskey lifestyle and I, I was always drawn to that it it was a hobby you know so kind of started with you know having a few bottles you know that maybe just had some age statement on them mostly scotch because of the you know the um more mature expressions they have and older age statements um you know, and dabbled in some of the international stuff, but there was always bourbon kind of in the, on the back Mm -hmm. shelf. Um, you know, that, that collection started to grow. And then eventually I, I, I don't know if it was just, uh, at some point it became front and center. Just fell in love with bourbon. And I had decided I wanted to focus on bourbon and learn bourbon and, and, Mm -hmm. and master it, you know, to some level, which, I'm sure some people think, oh, you just want to drink a lot and that's part of it, but it's, you know, it's from a indulging, um, aspect and, but I also, I love backstories. I love history in general. And, and I just, that was really captivating for me to, to whether true or not, you know, some of these backstories Mm -hmm. and, you know, some stories are embellished, but they make it more interesting. And, really just became passionate about that just like any other hobby that i had gotten into i think the the big um hook line and sinker for me was stumbling upon golden Sheaf and and beginning to peel back the layers of that and i really had to dig i had i had to investigate because there at the time there was very limited data on the internet at least Um, so i had to you know research more traditional Uh, methods uh, including microfish and um, visiting museums and having conversations with people which made it even more fun because that to me was always part of the bourbon um, you know the hunt the 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 search for those rare gems and uh, you know have what can't be had or or at least have what you know the elusive uh, unicorns that um, and I was really into it I, I still am to this day I say that all the time you know that um, you know, you could find me any time of the week, um, trolling up and down the aisles in a, in a liquor store, um, even locally here, you know, and mm-hmm. when I, just, when I stumbled upon Golden Chief, that was really it for me. I, I felt like I had this secret, like I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't tell anybody about it because I had this, this little spark that, that said history repeats itself. And this was a really cool thing. It was a big, big deal. You could revive this, like this could be your thing, you know. And it was such a cool little and you know, I've had tons of little imagination, you know, dreams, mm-hmm. fantasies, but th- this one started to actually come together, you know. And it and and I can go back, it wasn't that long ago. I can go back to the time when I, you know, kind of had Golden Sheaf in my in the palm of my hands, if you will, and had made some progress in unearthing some of the facts and then even. Um, pulled some you know you know ha- had some legal folks dig into the the history of it and the uh research the reality of owning and reviving or, or or taking ownership of something like that recreating it and and i remember that at that point thinking this could be a reality this this could actually come to fruition and i could i could see it but I just had no idea how to get there, you know, and, and that's another thing I really enjoy is problem solving. So so kind of having that vision or idea and then kind of backing into it um, from, you know, grassroots. And so that that was really it. I mean, I've just always short answer. I've just always been passionate about whiskey and, and more than just, you know, somebody that's got drink it all time. But I like to celebrate it, like share it, like talk about it, like chase it, like to collect it, uh, take pictures mm-hmm. of it, share it. Uh, research it you know all those whiskey nerd things
0: yeah and and this is definitely I, i'm in the same place and I, I think that's maybe part of the allure for for whiskey as well and you touched on it and i hadn't really ever um thought about it is the the lack of digitization of a lot of the history that exists yeah. within whiskey forces you to be physical in nature and how you acquire that and i think about you know folks like drew hanish that are writing books and they're actually mm-hmm. having to go to locations or the you know, the revival of the Uncle Nearest brand um, by you know kind of digging through the records at Jack Daniels. Um, yeah. A lot of other history, you can just, you know, hop on Chat GPT and say, go give me all of this information. But yep. um, at least within the whiskey world, a lot of it is still in, in a physical format somewhere microfiche, microfilm. Yeah. Um, I chuckled a little bit at that. My, my mom was huge into, um, ancestry whenever i was a kid and that was it and so i spent a lot of time twisting the handle on a microfilm reader (laughs) trying to understand that and i didn't care about ancestry but the dig for it seemed interesting and yeah um you know history is never a hundred percent accurate there's always some degree of embellishment right because that's what makes it interesting you know unless it's recorded on camera and even if it's recorded on camera you still don't get the before and the after right um whatever i've I've always said you know if, if you want there are three sides to every story. There's your side, there's my side, and there's the truth. And it's somewhere in between those two things is, is yeah. where it normally lives. But uh, Golden Sheaf has a really long history. And, and you sort of touched on that, you know, going back into the mid-1800s in Omaha, Nebraska, which is a, a whole other thing, right? Because we talk mm-hmm. about whiskey in the United States, it's always Kentucky or Virginia or Maryland or what, you know, like w- where we're in kind of the the cradle of whiskey settling in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're reviving a very storied brand. that's more in the central part of the country. What, what is it? How does it feel to be a part of the resurrection of this, this type of a thing? I love it.
1: It's, it's a dream come true. It really is. A, you know, I wanted, um, initially it was an idea, you know, kind of plant the seed and then kind of, uh, um, you know, just create a path and start to venture down that path. And, um, there have been, I, I I guess, well, you know, one thing is it's, it's been extremely busy. It's been uh, a lot. Um, and I find myself just kind of jumping from thing to thing. And, um, you know, that's how I spend my time, but I've, I've every once in a while I will stop and, you know, stumble upon something, some accolade or, you know, a, a a medal, or a, an article, or you know, it's only been a handful of years, but it reminds me that I need to stop and smell the roses, you know, and and mm-hmm. truly appreciate because literally, when when it first started, it was wow, this is starting to come together. That you know, here's the label. I I remember hand drawing the label and putting on a bottle, and it just sat there, and I would I would look at it every day, and and then once I received the first label, the actual label, um. It was a moment, you know, it was, wow, this is happening. And then, you know, all of the milestones along the way, actually, um, you know, achieving, be, being able to sell a bottle retail in in that first sale. And, um, you know, f- f- folks ask to, for me to sign bottles all the time. You know, the first time I signed a bottle, I, these are all very vivid memories. And I. I have to stop and remind myself to remember those things because I'm, I just get so caught up in the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And um, But there's always, you know, daily, there's something that reminds me of, gosh, this is, it almost seems too good to be true. It's so much fun. Um, I love, I feel like, you know, I'm, a, I'm an evangelist. I'm, I feel like I'm on a mission to share the good word, you know, preach my gospel and um, you know, it's a little bit of history, kind of in general. It's a lot of the brand history. But then um, I get to tell my story about w- what I do, what my contribution, because that's what Golden Sheaf is today, is it's a celebration of the historical brand and how it evolved to be what it was then and, and eventually today. And now my contribution is the blending is, is the, my expertise and you know, creating the the product. Um, so I never want to lose sight of that. Um, and I'm really loving being able to do what I do, you know, my contribution, but you know, there's that other piece that is just such a great honor and joy to be a part of and to be associated with that. You know, mm-hmm. somebody will call me the whiskey guy or the bourbon guy or the golden chief guy or something, you know, and, and I'm like, that's, that's cool that's super cool I, it never gets old and yeah it's it it warms my heart it it fills my heart every day
0: mm-hmm. and it, it it feels like a place where and and maybe you suffer from this maybe you don't where occasionally you might let uh, you know imposter syndrome creep in where somebody's like oh there's the whiskey guy and you're like am I really the whiskey guy but you you're like yeah no I am you know and and, and you've gained that and um you know I, i've i've heard someone say before um a great way to become a millionaire uh, as a whiskey brand owner is to start with a billion dollars right? right um it, in in starting up a brand is 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 costly there's a lot of logistics to it um is there anything about it that is surprising to you you know from if, if you look back at where, where you began to now is there something you're like If I'd have known this, I might not have made this leap.
1: I've never said that. That's interesting you say that because um, we had Jonathan Crocker with Frank August on our uh, Dixon. I had him on the Blending Bourbon podcast um, a few weeks ago. And Jonathan made that statement. He said, "Man, if I, 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 I was shocked when you know when he said that. I thought, first of all, wow, you're pretty fucking brave to, to to admit that. Um, but also, you know, I, I it took me back. Have I ever thought that? Have I ever thought that? And sure, at the end of a hard day, um, I, I don't know that I would ever ever leave it though. i I've, I've I learned I learned things about the industry." um again i love a good challenge i love a good problem to solve um and that's what it is it's a series of challenges and problems and that's how i look at it um it's adventure for me nothing's ever really deterred me or wanted me to throw in the towel you know uh cash flow ebbs and flows you know we're riding high and you know got a bank full of cash and then all of a sudden it's time to to you know uh pay some bills right and and all of a sudden, you know, and that, and that's just, um, you start a business, right? That's, that's, mm-hmm. um, entrepreneurship and, um, and then there's the, you know, kind of the, some of the political challenges or even compliance, that sort of thing. And, um, I love learning about it. I, um, I, I think I just kind of embrace it because it's, it, it has to be hard at some point, right? The, the. I don't want to say the majority of it or even a certain percentage of it, but a lot of it is just such, it's a luxury. It's, 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 you know, like tonight I've got this great event um, and I, you know, I find myself in meetings with, 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 and it's work. I always joke around, I'm like, gosh, this is work. You know, this is, um, I'm, I'm hanging out with some uh, whiskey icon, some of my heroes. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm getting to do podcasts and I'm getting to share whiskey, drink whiskey with people. And that's, that's my job. I, I, I'm getting to make whiskey and share with people. And, uh, there's just, for me, there's such joy in that. I love, I love it when I get to get my hands dirty and, you know, uh, roll barrels around right. and, and do the heavy lifting stuff. Um, because I'm definitely not a, designed to be sitting in an office chair all the time and, um, you know, and and so constantly being on the move, um, learning, um, you know, doing all the things, it, it, it enables me. I don't, I don't think it's ever deterred Mm me. Um, I was just uh, ironically, I was getting ready for this and I was listening to a podcast and um, Jocko Willink, if you're familiar with Jocko Willink, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a there's a there was a little snippet of one of his where he he's talking about one of his guys coming to him you know and he's like Jocko I got some bad news or whatever you know Jocko's such a great storyteller and he's such a you know he's he's dramatic but he's not you know he's just he's just real intense and he says uh, uh, every time I come to you you know I've got something to bring to you and it's bad news and and I know exactly what you're gonna say you're gonna say good and because every time I come to you and say this, the sky is falling. You tell me good. Or, you know, this broke good. Or, and that's Jocko. Jocko's like good because some good's going to come out of it. You know, some good's going to come out of it in the middle, the end, whatever. But, and I was like, that's such a great mind shift. I, and and I could really um that resonated with me, you know, and um there certainly have been times when, you know, I'm given some kind of challenging news or something and I'm, you know, my first reaction is fuck or, or you know, uh, <laughs> I'm upset, but yes. those challenges, that adversity at the end of the day, it does enable me. It motivates me, inspires me because I know when
0: I get over that, there's going to be some greatness to, to celebrate. Yeah. And I, you mentioned Jocko and, and extreme ownership was uh, yeah. a book I read at the last transition that I had in my professional career. Um, and and I found myself, you know, he is a fantastic storyteller. I found myself, you know, all of the the the, the military story portion of each chapter, I would read like every single word. Mm-hmm. And then when we got to the corporate impl- implementation of it. I would be like, okay, I can skim this part. This part's far less interesting to me. Give me the <laughs> the, the part that's that's different, you know. And I can see the correlation between the two. Um, and there's a lot of you know, really strong business principles, but yeah, he's, okay. he's a fantastic storyteller, without yeah. a doubt.
1: You know what? It, it just real quick on on that is, you know, there's there's core values I, I've taken mm-hmm. away from that, and I, you know I applied it kind of in in a corporate sense, but also here, you know, building a brand and that sort of thing. And Prioritizing execute is is a daily thing for me. It's ingrained mm-hmm. in my brain, you know, and and I've also got the attention span of a five year old on Christmas Day big and there's you know this stuff constantly flying in and i'm like that's cool i want to do that that's cool yeah let's do that let's do you know all these different things but at the end of the day you have to prioritize and execute you know because otherwise you'd be stretched so thin and you know nothing's done well
0: yeah and it, it 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 the, I think I think I've used this term before when I've asked people about this and, and I did I, I was listening to the Frank august episode um you know, a couple weeks ago or a week ago whenever it was that it, that, that you guys did it um but I've, I've used the term like optimistic ignorance before or you know ignorant optimism um yeah, and, and it's not an insult it's like you know it, it, there's a lot of things in my life that if I'd have known how hard it was that older version of me might have been like mm, probably not. You know, maybe right. I'll try some other thing, you know, without understanding that the other thing may be equally as painful or difficult. Um, yeah. But shifting gears a little bit, um, the, the focus of Golden Sheaf right now is is blending. Um, and I've talked about it a lot recently with a lot of different people. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk with Doc Swenson's and I've talked with Penelope in the past and all of these different people that are um, – Doing exactly what you're doing and and historically blending in in the American whiskey population was kind of a negative connotation. You were trying to Mm -hmm. um, blend for an intent um, to to try to to get some sort of a homogenous end result um, or hide faults or whatever. But you are participating in this group of people, uh, whether it's intentional or not, that are trying to sort of turn that on end. Um, was that part of the original intent of golden chief or you just like, this is what I have available to me. And so that's what I'm going to do.
1: Um, yes and no, I've, uh, I like to think I'm a, a, uh, hobbyist blender, you know, I've always, um, but I, but I never looked at it as blending bourbon. I never looked at it as, you know, creating something. It was always, uh, selfishly making something more the way i would appreciate it and the same with food and you know you know beverages the same um i say this all the time i'm, I'm an amazing chef but not everybody likes their food you know saturated in frank's red hot and garlic um and so mm-hmm. when i would blend whiskeys together um to me that's no different than making a cocktail you know making an old-fashioned you know i drink i try old fashions all the time and And I think that's good, but you know, a little bit of this make it a little bit better. And, but that's, that's my taste. So I, I I started to notice kind of a trend in some of the, the flavor profiles that I would pursue as a hobbyist and, um, you know, at least the way they're described, um, kind of felt like, I I don't want to say I had a, a, um, like, I think I have good taste, I I Mm -hmm. guess simply. Um, when golden sheaf first became a thing, you know, as I was kind of piecing it together, building it out, um, I intentionally sourced the components to, um, make up the original recipe, which is a 59 corn, 39 wheat, 2% malted barley. And, you know, to, to again, celebrate that, um, the historicness of, of golden sheaf and, um, so when that came together, that was that was cool too. That was you know it was milestone mm-hmm. events like oh, now we're tasting what they tasted back then, which I guarantee it didn't didn't quite taste <laughs> like what, <laughs> what we had right. together. And and it, and it won some accolades. It won I know it won a U.S. Uh, open Whiskey Competition silver silver medal, um, which was a huge deal because it didn't even have a label on it at the time. It was a blind you know it's just a bottle with a Sharpie handwritten note, and then I. Did this one-page kind of uh, white paper or multi-page white paper thing? So it was combination backstory, original recipe. Here's the recreated original recipe, and um, but I also socialized that that blend uh, um, quite a bit <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point to where I was questioning how much uh, you know product we're going to be able to yield here, right? Um, but I uh, w- when. Uh, the the proofing to me was that was I, I think that was the sticking point where I'm, I'm actually blending stuff. So I'm, I'm I'm creating you know recreating something. I, you know I've got some plans or a design. You know that I'm following a recipe. But the proof was up in the air. Was it a hundred proof? Was it below? There it was, it was just no real way to tell the original recipe. Um, at least from what I've you know I've yet to uncover anything. Uh, uh like that i'm assuming it was 100 proof but um i started with cask strength and it was a uh, 129 i believe once the blend was was performed and it was ended up being a 7 year blend um so i started at 129 and i literally i spent days and weeks on this it was about a month and a half on this thing i would proof it to and i'm using a Manual hydrometer, you know, and so I'm like, you know, droplets of water in this little sample that I have, and I, you know, I taste it, and I'm like, I can't really taste the difference. Let me, let me drop it down to, you know, 115, and and then, but then I, you know, kind of honed in between 100 and 120. Okay, cool, and then, and I just kept closing in. I could, and I tasted a little higher proof, and and I, I couldn't pinpoint what the best was. That was ultimately the, the basis for my process today, uh, you know, and how I come up with what I call the appropriate proof for each blend. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I just kept tinkering with it, tinkering with it. And all of a sudden we land at one Oh three and here we are original recipe. Um, get that in the bottle on the shelf. And, um, from there it was, um okay now we've got this stuff let's see what else we can do and you know i really started to just uh, blending was a constant thing for me um i i can't wait to get back to it once i've got my lab kind of built out not, right i've got a lab now but um you know i've got some other equipment and whatnot but i never imagined so get back on track we we put batch one out and that was supposed to be it. Right. I mm-hmm. hadn't thought beyond what golden Sheaf looked like. It was just going to be a revival of the original brand, original recipe, put it out. COVID hits. Um, my source, my barrel provider says, um, you know, supply chains are disrupted. Everything's broken every industry. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm a small startup. I've got my own cash and, you know, I had started out with, I think five barrels, seven barrels, I forget. And, they said, "Oh, we've increased, increased our MOQ to 100, 200 barrels. You got to buy." <laughs> you know, I'm like, I can't afford to buy two hundred mm-hmm. barrels right now. Um, same with glass provider. You know, went from buying a pallet of glass, thousand bottles at a time, to a shipping container. You have to buy a minimum of twenty thousand bottles. So, it changed everything for me. So then I end up, um, c- just kind of, uh, you know, going from contact contact that i had in the industry and just kind of asking hey you know what, what are you guys doing now are you able to buy a thousand barrels at a time are you able you know do you have any extras like you know and so kind of bartering negotiating one barrel two barrels here mm-hmm. and then as i start to get those samples that i'm you know i start playing with them they become ingredients for me and it's like well i've only got eight of these barrels i can i can do something let me see what you know And that's really where it where it uh unraveled for me. All of a sudden that's my niche. And I'm gonna pull mm-hmm. that even further. And then I get into finishes and but it it had that that's truly the origin where it where it took something that I did as a hobbyist and I think I did it really well. You know, I'd share that stuff with people and um they're like, oh man, you should you should sell this stuff, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of jokingly never took it serious. Um which in hindsight um I think the biggest brewery, one of the biggest breweries here in Nebraska, Nebraska Brewing Company, a friend of mine for years made beer home, you know, he's a home brewer mm-hmm. and today he runs, you know, it, I used to tell him that all the time, man, this stuff's good. You got to sell this stuff. And, you know, and he and I were in it together and mm-hmm. you know, now
0: he makes beer and I make whiskey. It's, it's kind of ironic. Yeah, And, you know, the, I think, globally one of the criticisms of bourbon and and American whiskey has been that it has been sort of too one note. Um, you know, it's always like super sweet, you know, anybody who's into scotch, they're looking for subtle nuances. And, um, and I I mentioned this a minute ago, but you know, most of the, most of the blending occurred to try to get towards a uniformity, but with this new kind of resurgence or uh, acceptance of blending to differentiate, and to create novel expressions. Do you think this is like a, is indicative of a maturation of the whiskey market in the North American marketplace, or is it just, there's so much stuff out there. They're just trying to find something, an, a unique way to get the consumer's attention.
1: Um, I think it's, uh, you know, a lot of it's the American way. Um, you know, we're not happy with any one thing and not, you know, we, we need too many options in order to be satisfied. Um, you know, you drive down the road and, uh, you pull up to an intersection, there's a freaking uh, drugstore in every corner, right? You know, there's mm-hmm. a coffee shop, a different one on every corner, you know? And, and so, you know, one side of the street, there's Target, one the other side of the street, there's Walmart. Um, you know, you're going to drive a Ford or a Chevy or a Chrysler. It's it's just option. the options are, you know, they go on and on and on. And so there's a number of things I see happening. Um, I think there's a, there, there's an awakening in the, you know, American whiskey, co- uh, consumer base, as far as, um, you know, there's this, this, uh, allure of, um, you know, the spirit and the lifestyle that, that comes along with it. And it's, you know, it's kind of a, a level of sophistication that some folks, um, strive toward and, you know, you, you see the commercials and, um, And so now there's this, this sprawl into, you know, literally every demographic in in the, in the country, um, male, female, you know, regardless of age, geographic location. Um, And, and it, so it's become this common kind of bond thing. And so that opens it up for variety and, um, uh, you know, have more options. I mean, the, the whiskey market is pretty saturated. Mm -hmm. there are so many whiskey skews out there and. Um, but I think that's the great thing about it is there are so many unique whiskeys out there. There's really not, well, you know, not not many that are overlapping. You know, there's one thing I don't care for, and I'll just say this. Uh, I, I try not to be controversial, but um, I, I love whiskeys, and I give anybody credit that's putting a putting juice in a bottle and putting a label on it. <laughs> one thing it, that I don't really um support I should say is for someone to source another product and then just slap a label on it and call it call it theirs you mm-hmm. know um and that's um, you know I, I like you said being an NDP being a, a blender you know I don't distill my own whiskey that's always the first question people ask where do you distill I don't distill I'm a blender I acquire um buy age barrels from all over the country and, Um, you know, kind of explain the whole process, but, um, similar to an artist, right? You know, artists, a painter doesn't make their own paint. They don't carve their own brushes and they don't certainly don't stretch their own canvases uh, or, or make their own, you know, all of their stuff from uh, Hmm. scratch. Same with a chef, you know, chef's going to do chicken, pork, beef, fish, but they season it to their style that, you know, they create their unique dish. And so I, um, as I, uh, you know, network and get to know those universes a little more. I, I, I definitely appreciate that a little more because that's similar to what I'm doing is, you know, I decide, am I going to do a single malt? Am I going to do rye? Am I going to do a wheat? Am I going to do a a bourbon? Um, and you know, that's the, that's the, the basis of the product, but then what does it look like? How do I put my spin on it? And, um, you know, that's why I've created my unique proofing process and, Um, you know, create my unique mash bills and it's a recipe and my barrels are, um, my ingredients, you know, once I decide what that, what that foundational uh, product is going to be. And then I, um, try to get creative, you know, even take it and finish it in something. And, um, sometimes there's even blending after that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's it's really cool how, um, you know everybody's kind of got their niche, and mm-hmm. you know that that to me was one of the biggest challenges was what's what's going to differentiate me or you know my products from others out in the industry, and it's you know there's still so much yet to be done, you know there's so much that's, um, that you can. Um, do his first finishes and uh, mash bills and origins and proofs and all the things. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's, go ahead. There, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, and, and you've mentioned finishes a, a couple of times and, and, and we're going to get there. And I've got maybe one last question around blending. And it feels like, um, in listening to you on your podcast and, and talking with you right now, that you have very much a um, startup brain. Um, where you, you like the sort of maybe the tension that comes with being a part of a startup at a small um, group that's trying to achieve a thing, right? Like you've, you've got a goal and you're going to work for it. And You have mentioned several things. Do you think, and then you also just said a few seconds ago, you said um, you get the attention span of a five-year-old. I think is what it <laughs> is. Do you think that these um, batched blends where you're not trying to get back to what you've already done before, but you're trying to create the thing that it is, do you think that helps tickle the ADHD or the entrepreneurial brain of like doing something new now. Cause you're not doing the exact same thing over and over again. Yeah,
1: I think so. Um, absolutely. It's, you know, there's definitely a creative aspect that I enjoy. And, um, that's also by design a little bit, you know, just kind of, um, being a, you know, hunter of whiskey, you know, I want that unique product. I want that, um, that unique blender expression um that i can't have i, I you know i you see it mm-hmm. in a picture you see it on social you see it um advertised somewhere and a lot of times you're just not going to get it uh, somebody's going to get it um but it's elusive mm-hmm. it's a unicorn and so um that's part of the model absolutely is to to be able to sustain us you know i could very easily and, and i am actually I'm, I'm so i'm working on a product right now it's going to be a constant it's it's going to be a um, you know, lower price point and be um, readily available and um, in larger volumes. Um, it's a good product. It's actually, it's actually the the original mm-hmm. recipe again, it's coming back and um, it was that good um, that I've got the confidence that it'll, it, it'll be something that people will want on a regular basis. And, um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll continue to, um, you know, be creative and, and put those new things out there. So yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. I don't know that I could just, You know, just make the same widget over and over and over, and be satisfied with, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that would. There would be something that would come along and um, distract me from that for sure.
0: Yeah, and so kind of shifting and shifting gears a little bit. um, You've mentioned finishes, and and you do um, finished whiskeys. And I think I've seen you. You do. You've done a maple syrup. You've done a barley wine. You've done a port. Um, How have? How do you identify? the finishes that you want to explore because we're in a world right now where there's an almost infinite number of different finishes that people are chasing down. And some of them um, seem real and some of them don't seem so real. You know, somebody says, Hey, I'm doing a cherry cordial finish. I'm like, that doesn't sound like anything unless you blended three or four things together to get there. Right. Um, Right. How are you identifying um, what you want to do with finishing?
1: Um that's a great question. Um you know there's stuff that works in the industry so you kind of want to follow suit or um pretty much everything I've put out to date has been done everything I've put out has has been done. So it's great to have that uh um you know all when I decided to do a maple syrup cast finish. I went and bought every maple syrup cast finish whiskey I could find. And, you know, that was my, um, my starting point. I wanted to make something better. You know, I had a, I had a good reference point again, going back to, you know, what I've always done. I'll try something and think, "Hmm, how could that be better? And so that was uh, a great way to learn. Um, you know, and, and also study those and, and, you know, a lot of more smaller brands, but some of them were, um, some of the bigger brands and, and, um, you know, see what people liked and then be able to improve that. So some of it's also just personal preference, you know, what I like, what I think works and, um, and how can I get creative? So I'm, I've been talking about this thing for, I feel like forever, but it hasn't been that long, but it's a, a rye finished in it's a rye blend that I put together that I was really proud of. Um, I had some unique older corn whiskey in, in it, which I call my, my miracle juice. Um, I put a drop of that in every batch I do just, <laughs> no, it's, it, it's just, it's, uh, I found this great source of this. It's a corn bourbon, a heavy corn bourbon. Mm-hmm. And it's just very bold, and it uh, it seems to complement, resonate with it. anything I blend it with. It in it, it's almost like the, you know, if you're editing photos on your on your iPhone, and there's that button that you just hit it, it just enhances it. You know, it's like, yep. oh, that's a good picture. Boom, now it's better. But I feel like it, that's what it is. You know, I just hit that little button and or put that little drop in there. Um, but uh, I love this. Uh, rye blend it's very high rye which is um, it was good it was a solid blend but then finished in a white pork cask so a sweet white wine Um, it's amazing it's incredible and um, it's it's just it's going to be something else when it gets into the bottle and I'm waiting I'm saving it for my own bottling operation that we're Wrapping up with construction wise, uh, we pretty much got that in place. We're just waiting on a few uh, compliance um, licensing things to be able to get that. But um, I do have a partnership with Bardstown bourbon company and that's where that barrel is right now. So I've been mm-hmm. really um, holding back from pulling the trigger, just having it bottled down there. I, I want to bottle it myself. I want to have that pride of ownership because it's such a solid juice. And But that was a, it was kind of on a um, on a on a whim, you know. I had tried a, a sautern finish Scotch, which um, I'm just I'm I'm trying I'm trying to get into scotches. Mm-hmm. That's where I started. That's where I cut my teeth, and and I thought I loved them until I got into bourbons, and then I uh, decided to focus on bourbons for a long, long time, and uh, love bourbons. And now I'm trying to you know focus on making bourbons, um, but mm-hmm. I'm also getting out of the um out of the bounds there and and trying other things so they try this sauterne, you know it's French sweet white wine yep. finish and I thought that's good except for the Scotch overtones <laughs> you could kind of wrap that <laughs> off a little bit. Um so then I kind of went down that path of sourcing a um some sweet wine sweet white wine finish or barrels um still working on sautern i I'd, I'd love to experiment with that um and i'm also you know, there's. So I'm in I'm in an experimental phase right now, and the, the thing about that though is, it's it's not. You know, I, I don't have I'm not sitting on mountains of cash to be able to just you know throw these different things around and experiment. I'm I'm trying to create some good stuff and put it out there. So the whole barley wine cask finish thing, that was an experiment. It was a uh, ended up being a from a brewery. They had a ten year um, a former. 10-year-old eagle rare barrel that they had sourced and then they put barley wine in it for 14 months and they make an exception an exceptional barley wine very very good um and so they literally the day that they dump that it was Jukes Ale Works by the way I give them a little plug um just talking with Kyle yesterday Kyle Jukes um once they dump that barley wine I, I thought this is exciting. It's going to work, right? This is, mm. I'm going to take this amazing, you know, the seasoned barrel, the history of it, you know, just, it just makes for a more interesting backstory. Took it down to the shop that day, filled it up full of bourbon, you know, just, I think I watched it for a couple of minutes, you know, expecting some magical to happen. Yes. And then, um, a couple of days later, tried it. And, eh, a couple of weeks later, tried it, and, eh, sat on the thing for months and it, it, the magic didn't happen. Mm-hmm. um it it wasn't bad but it was not so instant blending component right it's um uh, and that's how that became a blend of a maple syrup cask finish and a um barley wine cask finish and the two of them together i think um it's it's actually one of my favorites these days i've been sampling it a lot lately and i've had a lot of requests for it and we're getting down to the final few bottles left in that batch and people are starting to get, it's cool. Typically when something dries up, you know, it's, it's gone. That's when it becomes more popular. You don't have any of it left. Uh, at least for me, you know, being smaller batch. And um, so it's, yeah, it, it it's, it, it's kind of a, uh, some of them are just, I'll, I'll, i probably will never do an Ambarana finish. Uh, not, not my favorite. Everybody that's done it mm-hmm. good. You know, kudos to them. They've done a good job. I think Penelope was probably my favorite with the honey barrel, um, mm-hmm. Ambarana. Um, but you know, similar to what's the, uh, there's another one that Peerless did a, uh, finish, um, absinthe. Absinthe. Yeah.
0: They did a Ryan absinthe.
1: Did you try that one?
0: Like absinthe is one of those things that I want to like craft absinthe because I want to like craft distillers. Like, I want yeah, to be, yeah. but when you start from a place of hating. The flavor of anise or black licorice, you have a hard time really liking any absinthe, regardless of its quality. Now, I'm able to taste some absinthe that are, I can tell this is a high quality absinthe, but it still tastes terrible to me. And (laughs) So, no, the long story short is I did not, and it's not because I don't think it's good for a person who is okay with those flavors. It's probably phenomenal, but it's not, it's very divisive flavor
1: right yeah yeah it wasn't my favorite i'll just say that i love peerless they do some amazing things and so i i i turned down the opportunity to buy that bottle multiple times And i kept kicking myself for because it's so unique you know and i thought good for them for for pushing the boundaries and you know it must be good if they if they committed to put in a bottle must be good so i actually was uh where was i um was at a little place in bardstown they had it on the shelf and and I said, yeah, let's try that. Let's, I always try to try something new if, if I have the chance and, uh, poured a, you know, a neat pour and, you know, tried it and I immediately kind of cringed and the bartender says, it's not your jam, huh? And I, I, I said, hey, let me, I'll give it a minute. You know, let me, mm-hmm. let me sip on this, let it, let it sink in. And, uh, no, it just, it didn't work for me. And, uh, um, and he comes over and he says, I can repurpose that if you like, and I, uh, sure, do, do what you want. He turned it into a Sazerac, a okay. little
0: cocktail, and it was amazing. It was great. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm, I'm Yeah, that, that, that was probably phenomenal. It was. It was very good. And you mentioned sauternes, and, and I've had a couple of bourbons that were finishing sauternes, and it's really easy for it to get buried, but you also touched point on that you are uh, sitting on a white port, and I think you're probably the fourth or fifth brand that I've talked to that has a white port potentially happening in 2024. Okay. It feels like 24, 24 is the year of the white port. I'm excited for it. It was on my list of questions to ask you, not because other people are doing it because I noticed, you know, with your, um, with your other port, you partnered with, um, Nebraska specific, uh, winery, James Arthur vineyards. Yep. And when I go look at their wines, I see they have a white port as well. So is yep. your white port, their white port or is it, it is. You just it got a different. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was where I was heading. Cause it, it seems like all of your partnerships for, um, finishing, well, maybe not all of them, but some of them are very, uh, hyper local, very regional to you.
1: Most of them. Yeah. Um, I love collaborating with local, um, mm-hmm. James Arthur has always been, um, I, have been familiar with them and, in long before I got into this and, you know, was a fan of their products and, and their, and their experience. They've got a beautiful vineyard, beautiful winery, um, great people. So then when I did this, you know, I thought, gosh, who, who better, um, to, to initially reach out to So we did the port, you know, and it's interesting the, you know, we're, we're Americans bourbon's ours, right? Don't, don't mess with our mm-hmm. bourbon. You try to make bourbon. We will take over your country hostile, hostile takeover, um, very passionate about it, keep that close to the chest. Um, it, it and you would imagine we would respect, you know, others that have the same, like, you know, scotch made in Scotland, you know, port mm. is supposed to be made in Portugal. And so, you know, I've had people call that out, you know, well, how the heck you get a port, you know, Where, where'd you get your port barrels from? You bring them all the way over from Portugal? No, they came from uh down the road and you know, outside of Lincoln, Lincoln Nebraska. Well, can they make a port? And so they um, call it a, um, I've got a bottle, yeah got a bottle right here it's called uh that's probably backwards but um they call it a trapasty port it which sounds very fancy right and you mm-hmm. know that's you know people see that they're like trapasty that's in the that's in the tropast region of the upper peninsula i assumed of- it
0: was like a monastery when i first read the word tropasty, <laughs> i was like that feels like a monastery where they're making port like there's yeah. a bunch of monks walking around not talking to each other making port and you got those barrels <laughs> and then when i dug in i was like oh this is a local thing but i didn't look at the why of it so i'll, I'll, I'll only finish
1: yeah so i, I and, and so i i, had, I heard this podcast it was maybe a year ago um and they featured golden Sheaf on there and they were talking about this uh, i guess it wasn't quite a year ago um but we had won i think we won a double platinum for for that expression and um and they're talking about this and they're like yeah they really built it up and um the Trapasty, are you familiar with that and one of the guys says oh yeah that's that's you know elusive you know that's uh the, the unicorns of all ports and the, you know, the, 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 Mecca, the motherland, you know, and they're building it up. And, um, I had the chance to actually be on that podcast about six months later and they, they wanted me to tell a story and I'm like, oh God, how do I tell them this without making them feel like idiots? Because they totally made that story up. And mm-hmm. when I told him Trapasty is, it's a port backwards they were shocked so if you if you spell it backwards it just spells out it's a port and you know which is kind of a funny story but uh sorry to the, the portuguese for stealing that or i didn't steal it but <laughs>
0: yeah the united states did we'll just yeah. own that as a as citizenry of this nation yeah you know, we, come at me we, bro <laughs> we, we, we like to steal the things and. You know, I guess technically, if they're saying it's one of the hardest to find, that is very true, right? Because if you go look for capacities, there's only maybe like two or three brands that make one. And so, if all you did was a 15 second Google search, that's probably yeah. what you came up with. Like, oh, there's yeah. not many people making this. This is very elusive. Yeah, very uh, rare elusive, doesn't always yeah. mean good um, right. as well. Not to say that there's as bad, but I'm saying yeah. just because you only find three, maybe. It's kind of like absence finished rye. Maybe only right. one person's making it because that's the entire market is one yeah.
1: person. And that's the thing is these guys make, so I, I was fortunate yep. enough to get a number of bottles and um, actually went out for their release. And um, it's good. It's, it's, I forget 12 or 14 years old. Um It's just a really good, I appreciate a good port. Um So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it pays homage to that tra- tradition of that port style wine. Um But aside from that, you know, the um a lot of the others are local i do have a number of things in the in the barrels now finishing um and we'll see how they turn out i don't want to put some false hope out there about what they i am working on a cigar blend um mm-hmm. which is um a variety of things and if you kind of follow cigar blends and what's traditionally um you know com- traditional components of that there is some traditional, there's some non-traditional that I think work well mm-hmm. with cigars. Um, but yeah, I've started to, you know, with the help of uh, folks like uh, Midwest barrel company, if you're familiar with them, Ben mm-hmm. and Jess Lose, um, they, they recently relocated, uh, moved the operation to Louisville, Kentucky. Um, but they were actually based here in, in Nebraska up until last year. And, um, so they do a great job of, um, sourcing and disseminating international barrels of all style, shape, um, type. Yeah, it's, it's, they got a great operation.
0: So, and, and, uh, you can feel free to tell me you can't answer this, but staying in the the finishing category, I noticed, you know, you, you, glacial till cider house just releases, uh, um, that was finished in y'all's barrel yeah are you bringing that barrel back to then subsequently attempt to finish or is that a no or is that a i'm not going to answer that question
1: it's a it's a hard yes um and it's already been done so i've actually got something in the works from a a, a former project so it's um and it's been in the barrel for a while it's a mm-hmm. it's a um aged it's uh what is it 11 12 years old now a week whiskey that's been in a cider barrel. Uh, but yeah, those barrels. So there's a little bit of incest going on here in the community, mm-hmm. you know, where just like the, you know, the the Eagle rare barrel, was bourbon, then became barley wine. Now it's back to bourbon. And so it'll probably, you know, be passed around. It makes for great seasoning. You know, you mm-hmm. you mix it up and um it's it I saw the same thing with maple syrup cask barrel. Um you know, and it's cool what you look at honey barrels and you look at maple syrup cask and uh, liquid is one thing. But to have something that's um, that really changes molecularly within the barrel um, and then, you know, you're able the barrel seasoned with that, uh, you, you get more than just a, a you know, a, a marriage of maple syrup. Um, you know, remnants and, and whiskey. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Cause then there you get this kind of metamorphosis where the, the um, crystallized um, uh, sugars are in the porous parts of the barrel. And then, you know, and then of course you add the liquid to it and that's uh, then liquefied over time and um, marries with the liquid. And then the liquid takes, that liquid takes the place of those wood pores and, Um, it's just pretty cool to to try all the different things, yeah. And then you get different reactions from uh climate, you know, or uh, temperatures, obviously, you know, affect that. I've um been experimenting with different, you know, cold and warm um exposures, and um, not to mention just the mash bills and the proof themselves really affect that pretty drastically as far as altering that flavor profile, good and bad. Um, so it's, I've got probably more experimentation going on behind the scenes than I, (laughs) I should, but they all, they all end up yielding something. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, so there's some pretty cool stuff
0: coming in, coming down. the. And not to ask for the specific details of it, but do you have that, like that one project that you don't know if it's ever going to see the light of day because it's just not good, but you're like, "Eh, just keep running and see what happens.
1: Yeah, I think my, um, my, what's it called? Signature. Uh, I've got this reserve signature series that I'm working on, and it's, um, it, it does a couple of things. Brand wise, it highlights the new era of Golden Sheath and, you know, the, 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 the true luxury aspect of our brand. Um, and this is my, um, my baby project, you know, I've really spent a lot of time doing this, and I'll um, kind of tweak the blend here and there. So I started down the path of sourcing some really, really aged product, and then you know decided I got to back off. It's it's not going to be you know a bunch of twenty plus year um, products components put together. It's got to have some younger stuff, and you know, and this is where experimentation really pays off, and um understanding blend truly blending you know and and how to um i grade all my products all my blends on uh, you know the the heat the balance of the heat and flavor um the flavor itself the complexity of um the blend um you know and, ju- and just flavor it in, in and of itself so i'm looking for maximum flavor I'm looking for the balance of heat and flavor and you know to the point where the heat um accentuates the flavor, um, but then maturity, the, the complexity, the, you know, the mouthfeel of that. And so with, I feel like with a lot of the age, older products, 23 years ish um, with a lot of those, you get a couple of those things, but you don't get them all. And so you kind of have to complement that with some younger whiskeys um, right now, it kind of bottoms out at 10 year got a 10 year, 13 year, 17 and a and a 23 um and I've tried to remove a component and then try you know it's just it it seems like it's a never ending process like I just I, I keep removing stuff and adding stuff and um but I I think I've I've uh, revisited what I think is the final blend here enough times to where it just it just needs to go in the bottle you know and I experts, uh, you know, folks like Dixon or, you know, other people in the industry, they're like, if it's good, just put it in the damn bottle, just, just get it going, you know? (laughs) Um, But I'm aging some of it still. I want to age it a little bit longer. I want to, I want it's, it's going in a direction and I can, I've tested it enough over, you know, a period of time to where I can kind of uh, uh, predict a path. And once I can kind of envision, you know, what I want that, component to taste like because of the way that it's affecting the rest of the blend. And I'm a little bit stubborn. I'm also a little bit over definitely overthink. Um, so who knows? I, I, (laughs) it may never make, make it into a bottle.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, well, I, it may never make it into a commercial bottle. I mean, somebody will <laughs> yeah, drink it eventually, right? It. <laughs> um, and 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 we're pushing up against time, and I want to yeah. be very cognizant of that. So I'm not trying to steal anything more from you. And you mentioned in 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 the beginning of that that um, Golden Chief is positioned as a as a luxury whiskey. Um, what is it like trying to compete in that space as a relative newcomer? Right, because a lot of brands are not exclusively luxury brands. They just have luxury offerings, but right. golden chief enters in and says, no, no, we're a luxury brand.
1: Yeah. Um, I still think there's a void for that. You know, it's, I, I, it seems like there's always a new bottle or two or 10 hitting the shelf, you know, every week. And, um, there's some beautiful stuff out there. You know, I think one of the, one of the, my latest, um, uh, loves is, uh, Frank August. I really love that product. It's, it's simple to the points. It's, it's you know great juice um, has a great theme backstory uh jonathan's awesome um so it's, it's one of my favorites and i you know they're they're a hot product right now um so i think that category is beginning to evolve um i don't think it's actually been there you know when you look at some of the some of the products in the past and um or perhaps a new category is is evolving um and and it's above the others and i think that's where you know blending comes into play and um it's not because our market is um you know has age more aged product in it it's because we're evolving as far as the craft and being able to expertly um, craft whiskeys to The desires of the consumers, and that's just it. There's such a consumer base, and now there's, you know, American whiskey consumers are really spoiled with what's out there, but we always want more, and and we'll we'll continue to want more, and producers will continue to produce more, and so that, you know, opens it up for uh, folks like me and you know Jonathan, other you know luxury brands to to be able to fill that that void, that space. Um, You know, wasn't that long ago that. Um. I mean, it was, but you know, Pappy kind of filled the void of the the billionaires' bourbon, right? And um, mm-hmm. I kind of jokingly, but there's some seriousness to it. Reached out to Elon Musk and said, "Hey, when you become a trillionaire, what would you like to consume bourbon-wise? Let's go ahead and make that now. We'll have it wait mm-hmm. there for you." Um, and that's a reality, you know. That's there will be a void, you know. That once that right. category is created, and then even beyond that, you know. And um, so it's it, it's kind of you know, a little bit, make it up as you go, because I don't feel like it exists. I mean, we started out at seven years. That was our first age, um, point. And then, you know, now we're up upwards of 12 years old and, and pushing that. And as long as I can make something great out of older whiskey that, you know, I'll get into that, that category. That's, that's my hope is to make that one of the, uh, cause that's one of the, the boxes that, you know, the, the consumers check as far as what's a great whiskey well if, you know these 50 60 year old scotches are selling for three million dollars surely you know we got to get into some older bourbons right that's what makes it better and we all know mm-hmm. that's not not always the case and rarely is that the case um, but you can do some good stuff with that and as we mm-hmm. you know continue to evolve and um you know we're innovative and you know um enhance the production process we, you know the age, maturation, all of that, it continues to evolve, you know, eventually we'll have, you know, more mature whiskeys, but for now i leave it to the blenders to, to take what's in the barrel and available and, um, turn it into that great product. Cause to me luxury means all of the, the things that I've described, you know, that I grade my whiskeys on as I develop them. And, um, but it's, it's really a, to the consumer, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And, um, so we're kind of making it up as we go along based mm-hmm. on historical, um, products that have been available in the market, um, as well as the, the consumer base and what they demand.
0: You know, and you, you touched on a couple of things in, in that bit about it. At least in, in in the bourbon marketplace, we've, I think, gotten confused the idea that advanced age is luxury and luxury is advanced age, right? Right. Um, and I've, I've even, I've put people in this position where I've blinded them um, with three bottles of Benchmark. Yeah. And one, Happy 15. Yeah. And 75% of the group, very, you know, interested in whiskey. Don't like 15 year old whiskey, right? Right. They they don't. Now there are components that exist in that advanced stage whiskey that if it becomes a part of a blend, you know, I I think luxury for me starts with a mouthfeel more than anything else, right? There's a silkiness to it. There's a fullness, there's an oiliness or whatever, but, um, a lot of people don't like the tannins that exist in wood at a high level and that's going to come with age. And so, um, I, I'm I'm glad that there are people, you know, in in a world where everyone is pushing for more um, budget conscientious bourbons, which is fine. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of competition in that space. But um, you know, I, I think we can go as far back to Aristotle, right? Where he, his mindset was position yourself in a void that you think that needs to be filled, right? Yep. and and if society agrees, then they'll meet you there and. Um, I think with brands like Frank August and like what you're doing and and a handful of other folks out there, um, it's becoming evident that there are a group of people that are looking for something that's a little bit more than that. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got my fair share of, you know, bottom shelfers that actually live on my top shelf at home because I'll put them in blinds against people. But luxury can be a different thing and it doesn't have to be advanced age and um, I've already taken over an hour of your time and, and I thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate it. And I've got at least 25 more questions that have been <laughs> built here and that exist over here. So, um, we'll have to touch base again. Soon. Absolutely. I'd um, love that. It, the, I, the, the last thing, and I didn't do this up front and I'm, I'm getting worse about this. Where can I buy golden chief? How can I consume your content?
1: Yeah, I, lo- I love that question. Um, so, we are in nebraska um we're all over the state of nebraska um i'm i'm thrilled every time i walk into an account that i wasn't aware of and you know whether it's a new restaurant or liquor store and they've got golden sheaf on the shelf um so you know without highlighting any of the 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 main locations you know we're in all the liquor stores and grocery stores and you know big box stores um a lot of restaurants and so nebraska for sure um kentucky we're we're spreading like wildfire we're in liquor barns we're in evergreen cox's um we are in you know some of the boutique stores blind pig down in bardstown so um bardstown bourbon company sells us in their um, retail shop mm-hmm. um, we're in uh, justin's house of bourbon you know some of those specialty stores and so a number of Kroger's across the state. So Kentucky's a work in progress. Um, a lot of fun down there, just spreading the gospel. And, um, Mm -hmm. so geographically, you know, physically in those two states and that's it. And that's by design. Um, but we're on Sealbox.com, which is where you can find a lot of really good, um, whiskeys that are, you know, limited to a handful of states or, um that you can't find everywhere. So sealbox.com has our standard bourbon and rye. Um getting ready to restock um both here really soon within the next couple of days. I know we we ran out, which is a good problem to have. Um, but we got to get those supplies back in there. Um that's it for now. Uh sealbox I think delivers to 47 states in the country. Um and uh but we're we're scaling i mean we're this close to getting into missouri uh we're just we're not doing it the traditional way we're kind of uh backing into it you know starting with the consumers yeah. and um you know sips to lips is all oh, that, that's what works for us that's I, I love doing tastings i love sharing whiskey because inevitably People try the product and the proof is in the pudding. I mean, they, they drink it and it's good stuff. And I pride myself on that. I, I love that. I believe in it. Um, and, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll continue to scale. So that's where we're at now.
0: Yeah. And, and, and it's evident that you've got passion for what you're doing. Um, and I said this before we started, you know, I, I'm always appreciative of anybody who'll give their time because you can't make more time. Um, but at least following you on instagram you know through through the golden chief site you can see the volume of in-person tastings that you're doing and if i compare them against any other brand owner um it's pretty high up there you know you, you and dixon are probably putting more miles <laughs> on cars and airplanes um, than just about any brand owner um, that i'm seeing right now and, You know, it, there's passion there there's there's obviously um product there and I'm glad you clarified because I was getting ready to ask you, are you in Kansas or Missouri? Because I'm traveling through both States next week for work. Oh. And I was like, able to one person," um, but Nebraska is it. And I'm not making it that far North We're we're stopping in Kansas city and then going South. Um, yeah. If there's anything else you want to share, share it. If not, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, the time that you've given me today.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I just, you know, you mentioned Dixon. I was one thing on, on that, you know, Dixon is a great friend of mine and, uh, he he's also a, a mentor and you know um he's got an amazing palette. He's he 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 knows, you know, kind of grew up in the industry and um but he's also just an amazing human and, and he he's a lot of influence behind what I do. I mean, that guy goes, you know, and he's got a uh, you know, full size family at home and he's, you know, an amazing dad, amazing husband, but he's also he's married to his brand as well, you know, and he believes in that. And he does it very well. So huge inspiration. He's, so I got to, you know, send a shout out to him and thank you for all that he's ever done for me. He's always been there for me, but uh, yeah. um, We need to get some product out to you and uh, some samples. Maybe next time we do this and we, we share some whiskey together, but thank you very much, John. This has been an honor and privilege. I appreciate you sharing your time with me and letting me uh, talk on and on tell my story.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode from the Embellish Pod. If you joined this, please leave me a review on whatever platform that you're consuming this on. Leave a comment if possible. Hit me up on social media on TikTok or Instagram using Embellish Pod. Give me a follow and you can keep up with what's going on here. I can be found at www.embellishpod.com with all of my links, accounts, and contact details. Thanks for stopping by.